Welcome to this Thorax podcast. I'm Andy Bush, one of the editors-in-chief of Thorax, and I have the pleasure of talking to Dr. Fernando Martinez from Tucson, who's been one of the pivotal people in pushing forward knowledge of preschool wheeze, asthma, the evolution of wheezing disease in children. Fernando, welcome. And the first question I'd like to put to you as we all know, as we've been spending our lives working on, early life events are absolutely pivotal in what happens later on to children and adults. I'd like to ask you what your views are in terms of the new evidence about microbiology, about positive bacterial cultures, and the early changes in asthma. Thank you so much, Andy. Uh, this is a very extraordinary change in paradigms that we're seeing. If you think about what the themes were say, 20 or, or even 15 years ago in uh, asthma, essentially the environment was the enemy and environmental exposures, particularly bacterial and microbial and viral exposures, were considered uh, like the adversaries uh, that we had to fight to control the disease, both in terms of its prevention and control the disease in those who had the disease. Very interestingly, this has quite significantly changed, I think. Of course, uh, viruses continue to be an element of great interest as uh, both uh, triggers of asthma attack and uh, potentially as elements in the inception of the disease. But we have a completely uh, different approach today. We have a much more integrated, much more, let's see what the interactions are, which could be uh, of increased risk, which could, could be neutral, or even could be symbiotic in the sense that exposure to um, bacteria, to microbes, to even fungi, could have different effects depending on the bacteria and depending also on the timing of the exposure and depending on the genetics of the individuals who are exposed. We have a much more complex and I would say much more interesting approach today than what we have 20 or 30 years ago and this is where we are at now. Sure, we've got a lot more powerful microbiological tools haven't we? It used to be all bacterial culture and that was the end of it. We're now using molecular techniques, uh, RNA detection do you think these techniques are too sensitive? Do you think they're telling us new things? What's your take on them? Well, what they are allowing us, these techniques are allowing us to do is to get a much better feel of what is out there. When we only had culture techniques, for example, many of us believe that the airway was uh, sterile. Yeah. Now that we have um, these molecular techniques that allow us to get a much better uh, feel of what is really out there, we're finding out that in uh, even normal subjects, but also in subjects with asthma and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, the airway is not sterile. There are there bacteria with which the immune system in the lung, not only in the intestine, as we knew from before, but also in the lung, have to interact with. Now, the way in which that interaction is created along development and the mutually beneficial effects that can occur with commensal bacteria and uh, fungi and, and even potentially we don't know yet, but potentially viruses, are the new uh, approach. How is it that we create this relationship? How is it that we can coexist with these uh, elements that are present in our airway is probably the theme of the moment. I mean, isn't it extraordinary that we could be so stupid as to believe that the airway was sterile when you think how many billions of liters of air we breathe in and out loaded with bugs? How on earth could we have believed that ever? 
I think it's a lesson to all of us that the, the more senior the person and the more dogmatically something is asserted, the more likely it is to be wrong. Or am I being too anarchic? Oh, that, no, not at all. That's the essential uh, uh, paradigm in science. Everything that we believe today probably is just a step towards a completely different type of knowledge we can get later. But just the fact that the airway, even in normal people, is not sterile, opens a completely new way of understanding the respiratory system. How is it that we can coexist with this bacteria, as yep. I was saying before? It is fascinating, isn't it? And one of the things that fascinates me, and particularly in the sort of early life events in, in WEEZ, is children get a lot of antibiotics given to them for various reasons. I wonder how that's upsetting the airway. I and mean, we all know about antibiotic-associated diarrhea and have probably suffered from it. But what's, your, what's the airway equivalent of antibiotic-associated diarrhea, do you think, if we upset this delicate balance? Well, there, there you have it. I mean, uh, and, and there again, if individuals in whom this delicate balance is not established and pathogenic bacteria can uh, get a hold of the situation or even viruses can get a hold of the situation, you have the effect that perhaps by giving antibiotics too early to children who have uh, infections that can be readily treated just with observation, you are upsetting that balance and you're creating a condition in which perhaps you even have to give more antibiotics later. It's kind of a negative cycle here that we have to probably break. Yes, it's fascinating, isn't it? And, and I think there's been a lot of evidence recently, the Gabriel study, suggesting that bacterial diversity may actually be a very good thing. Oh, uh, absolutely. And in fact, that's what is also known uh, in the intestine uh, and has been known for a long period of time, that uh, a very large diversity of bacteria in the intestine allow the intestine to establish the kind of uh, homeostatic relationship with this bacteria that uh, impede the development of infection. Same thing probably in the airway. And since both airway and the intestine come from the same em embryological uh, background, it, it shouldn't be that surprising, right? No, absolutely. And I mean, in terms of interactions, you talked about a new paradigm with which I completely agree. One of the things we now have to think about is the interaction between the, these bacteria and the innate immune system and how that interacts further with other environmental stimuli such as allergens, which hitherto have taken a big place, but now may seem uh, less pivotal players. I don't know what you think. I am completely in agreement with you. I think we're moving increasingly from the paradigm that these were allergic diseases to a paradigm in which allergy certainly plays a significant role, and you have had uh, recently papers showing how significant that could be. But, but it, which is the primary issue here? Is allergy the primary issue? Perhaps in, in a proportion of patients with asthma. But increasingly, we're thinking that allergy, as important as it is, may be a secondary issue, develops as a consequence of an immune system that is not developing in the right way. And if you think about it, again, with that adversarial kind of approach towards our environment that we had probably in the 40s, 50s, 60s, or even 70s, when the ideal was almost to live in a bubble, today we're increasingly understanding that we have to develop a normal immune system with interaction with the environment. These, these children come out, we came out from the womb, uh, in, from a sterile condition in the womb. Uh, I doubt that we will discover in the future that it is not sterile. I think it is sterile. 
And you have to adapt to the outside environment along the way. Well, wh who could ever think that that adaptation could occur suddenly later in life and that we could be well off by living in an environment in which what we were striving for was sterility? It made no sense. And increasingly then, from adversarial relation to the environment to this idea that we have a symbiotic relation to our environment. Yes, indeed. You mentioned the immune system. And, of course, to get to the immune system, you've got to pass the epithelial barrier and I wonder if you want to comment on some of the genetic studies which have suggested that perhaps epithelial genes are really important. Maybe we should be focusing on the barrier function of the epithelium, the way the epithelium signals the immune system, the way it interacts with this rich bacterial flora. Absolutely. This is one of the areas in, uh, in our field where the greatest change has occurred. We've uh, been giving for years a lot of importance to what is beyond the epithelium, not understanding that, men, for example, with respect to the relation with allergies, many people develop allergies, but only a, a small proportion of them develop uh, asthma. Why is it that the disease focuses on the lungs? Well, the most extraordinary result in genetics that we have seen in the last uh, uh, couple of years when this has exploded is this fact that the genes that seem to be associated with allergies and uh, elevated levels of IgE as two different and, and complementary uh, assessments yep. of allergy, uh, as you have also shown, um, are uh, genes that are different from those that are strongly uh, related to asthma. It's almost as if there are independent determinants of asthma and allergies, which is a new concept, and which are those factors that seem to be more strongly associated with asthma? Well, as you say, those that have more to do with the epithelial so-called barrier, which more than barrier is the element that allows us to establish this symbiotic relationship with bacteria, with viruses, with allergens, with an external environment that is always part of our life in its uh, many constituencies. So I think this is, this is really a very, very interesting new approach because if you think about it as clinicians that we both are, this is where we're going to find the most bang for our buck, as we say here uh, at yeah. the other side of the pond. Here, this is where we can find new ways in which we can develop preventive approaches, and that's what makes this so exciting. Doesn't it? And um, now perhaps if we move, move from early initiation to exacerbations of asthma, We've all known for years that you, you find lots of viruses, but there's been some challenging data, hasn't there, from COPSAC in particular, suggesting that maybe positive bacterial cultures play a role in asthma exacerbations. What's your take on that? I, I think this is also very exciting, and if you think about it, complementary with the information that we were just talking about, I think that what we have here is a disruptive relationship with the environment that develops in, during these growing years. Why is it that we have thought for years that it, that it is only viruses? Could it be that once the, the immune system uh, develops in a way that inappropriately recognizes external influences and, uh, uh, and is, is unable to control the type of um, milieu that is created in the airway, why should it be only viruses? It could, only, it could also be certainly uh, certain types of bacteria. And we're back to our conversation before. By giving perhaps antibiotics very early for so-called otitis that is just a little bit of a red ear, we are disrupting a, a symbiotic relationship and constrains us later 
to, to treat again with antibiotics, kids that perhaps if we leave them alone would be better off. I think if you think about it, not in terms of any specific virus or bacteria, but in terms of a disrupted relationship with the environment on the part of the epithelium and the innate immune system in the airway, you can understand that bacteria could also be important factors in asthma exacerbations. Yes, it's interesting. And perhaps a, a, a lesson in humility. I mean, 10 years ago, if somebody had been talking about bacteria and exacerbations, they'd have just been laughed at. And the reason I raise this is because we're we're very big into sort of phenotyping asthma, and it's a very important field. I'm absolutely certain. And there's a lot made of sort of making of sort of objective techniques like principal components analysis. But I suggest that these techniques are vulnerable to the data you put in. Say, 10 years ago, we wouldn't have realised that bacteria are important. That whole thing would have been missed out of the analysis. Absolutely, and. I think that it is great that we have new technologies, both in statistics and in uh, the field of microbiology, but they have to be put in the context of the knowledge we have. I worry sometimes that although we have gotten so much more from these unbiased approaches, these unbiased approaches, in the sense that you don't have a specific hypothesis, strongly depend still on a lot of assumptions that are made at the beginning of the analysis. And people tend to think that there are no assumptions. There are always assumptions. At least one assumption is the data that you have available. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) The first assumption is the data that I have available is enough. Well, look at what is going on in genome-wide association studies. Sure, they have given us a lot, but you know what? We don't have the markers yet that will truly allow us to get all the information that is present in the genome. They don't detect these uh, genome-wide association uh, uh, sets that we have that have given us fantastic data. They don't detect all genetic variations. So it all depends on how strong and powerful the technique that you have, and that's an essential assumption that usually is not put forward in some of these studies. So finally, Fernando, I'm going to be provocative. Both of us are old enough to remember the days of duodenal ulcer being treated with uh, H2 receptor antagonists and the like, and probably remember the scoffing when some pathologist or other thought he could see some spirochetes and how ridiculous that was and how ludicrous. And now we're tre- now those so-called ludicrous spirochetes are helicobacter and we're curing uh-huh. duodenal ulcer with antibiotics. Do you foresee that we might cure asthma with antibiotics? just being provocative to <laughs> Well, maybe not curing asthma with antibiotics, but certainly uh, treating certain forms of asthma with antibiotics. I'm very open to that idea. I cringe at the idea that once you say that, people would start thinking, I'm going to treat all exacerbations with Absolutely. antibiotics. But on the other hand, why not think that some of these exacerbations that we sometimes see where the patients are even hospitalized and can spend uh, days and days, and, and we have opposed for years the, the, even the consideration that they, it could be a bacterial infection. Why not? I mean, in the end, one has to be very attentive to the data that is coming out from uh, these studies and use it for the benefit of our patients. I don't think it's going to be curing with antibiotics. Probably it's going to be treating individuals early in life with uh, some form of exposure that mimics those that we have found out that are preventive, and I don't know if that will be some form of commensal bacteria that perhaps, or microbes that perhaps are missing early in life, perhaps that's the way I see it. But for people who already have asthma, and in, in, in whom either for genetic reasons or for environmental reasons or for both, 
this uh, symbiotic relationship has not been established and bacteria take profit of that and can provoke asthma attacks, why not? So in summary, watch this space. The space is getting more and more exciting with new kids on the block and a whole crowd of new bugs, bacteria, viruses, maybe fungi interacting in all sorts of ways. It's an exciting time to be working in. Absolutely an exciting time, and I wish I, I were not my age, but 30 and could have another 30 years because I think that truly the next 30 years are going to see an asthma a revolution as big as the one you just described that Dr. Marshall created in duodenal ulcers. I mean, it's, it's as important as that. And if you think about it, this will allow us to have um, much better treatments. Uh, the treatments we have are very good, but uh, we need better treatments for asthma. Absolutely. Dr. Martinez, thanks so much for speaking to us and taking part in this podcast. Thank you so much.